Hello, Maroon listeners. I'm Sydney Cook, and I'm extremely excited to talk about and highlight some hidden figures in the civil rights movement. Today, I'm with Barry McNeely, a historian from the Civil Rights Institute located in Birmingham, Alabama, as well as an educator at the historic A.H. Parker High School, also located in Birmingham. So, Mr. McNeely, from the top of your head, who are some figures from the civil rights movement who are underrepresented, in your opinion? Well, in this discussion, especially talking to you, I think the person that I would most um, speak on would be the Reverend Fred Lee Shuttlesworth uh, mm-hmm. and his work. And I would also um, add to that um, the work of Ella Baker. Okay. Can you speak on their stories? Certainly. When we uh, talk about uh, Ella Baker, uh, we talk about a champion of civil rights that was at the forefront of the movement in the earliest days. Uh, Many organizations such as the um, NAACP uh, and the Southern Christian Leadership Conference and the um, Youth Education Fund uh, were benefited by having her strong presence. Uh, She began working under Dr. Martin Luther King in the Southern Christian Leadership Conference in its inception in her role as the chief executive officer of the Southern Christian Leadership Conference under um, Martin Luther King, uh, who was the uh, president of that organization. Uh, Ella Baker was a very powerful proponent of grassroots um, organizing. Uh, She was a very powerful proponent of keeping the issues uh, before the American public. Uh, And she was also a very uh, determined advisor to the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Her her opinions and her um, steadfastness actually uh, led to her branching out away from the Southern Christian Leadership Conference. And as we prepare to celebrate um, Dr. Martin Luther King's birthday, it's uh, apropos to mention that uh, Ella Baker was concerned early, early on that Dr. Martin Luther King was becoming the subject of a cult of personality. Mm-hmm. And when I say that, I don't mean to uh, disrespect Dr. King in any way. It was just the idea that Ella Baker was concerned that so much of the movement was being hung upon Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King's shoulders, that if the movement was that centralized, if something were ever to happen or befall Dr. King, what would happen to the movement in the um, period following that. And as we, you know, sadly look back and understand, uh, Dr. King was removed from us by an assassin's bullet in 1968. And after that point, the movement splintered as she had, you know, almost a decade previously um, sort of uh, seen in a very prescient manner, uh, but uh, our history sort of tends to fade away in terms of our remembrance of Ella Baker, but she's a very powerful person and had a very 
um, important voice. I also mentioned the Reverend Fred Lee Shuttlesworth, who was um, one of Dr. Martin Luther King's greatest lieutenants. In fact, um, Fred Shuttlesworth was uh, instrumental in assisting Dr. King to found and create the Southern Christian Leadership Conference after his successful um, creation of a civil rights organization in Alabama known as the Alabama Christian Movement for Human Rights. Shuttlesworth's leadership throughout the state of Alabama and throughout the movement um, was unquestioned and, and rivaled or exceeded only by the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. Um, many times, um, Shuttlesworth was given credit for being the, um, the, the backbone and the, the force of the movement behind uh, Dr. King's uh, more um, diplomatic style of leadership. Uh, Dr. King uh, would be want to seriously, seriously consider and be very deliberate uh, in terms of his approach to civil rights agitation, whereas Fred Shuttlesworth was one to um, not necessarily throw caution to the wind, but he was one to be more prone to um, insistent agitation. Mm -hmm. uh, his insistent agitation uh, finally brought Dr. Martin Luther King to Birmingham, Alabama, where he and Dr. King faced off with uh, Eugene Bull Connor and Birmingham being the most segregated city in the United States of America. When Birmingham was toppled, the result of that was uh, Dr. King's um, recognition on a global level uh, with the Nobel Peace Prize and uh, also the passage of the 1964 uh, Civil Rights Act. So I, I think those two individuals um, provide the uh, kind of a context outside of Martin Luther King in terms of leadership that shows uh, where he was able to gather a lot of his strategy, but also a lot of his motivation. Yes, sir. Uh, thank you. These like these two figures that you've highlighted, they seem so crucial to like Dr. King and like his activism and his leadership. But why do you think these stories don't get told? Well, there's, there's a couple of reasons. And one of them, not to uh, be uh, snarky or irrelevant, but one of them is like the, the idea of uh, the basketball player, Scottie Pippen. Mm -hmm. uh, if Scottie Pippen played on any other team except for the Chicago Bulls, or if Michael Jordan didn't exist to this day, most of us regard Scottie Pippen as uh, one of the greatest basketball players of all time. Uh, it's, it's like I, when I was speaking about Dr. King and Ella Baker, I mentioned the phrase cult of personality. Yes, sir. Well, historically and also in terms of a contemporary sense, people tend to uh, focus on the, the, the shiny object, the, the, the brightest um, star, uh, the, the, the person that garners the most attention and in our modern day uh, lives. We, you know, we have social in media influences and things of that nature. 
and so we tend to focus on that blinking red light. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the other thing is, is that um, we don't really talk about people like uh, Fred Hampton and Ella Baker and Martin um, and Fred Shuttlesworth in the way that they are deserving because history uh, and historical textbooks kind of prefer a neat, um, orderly progression uh, that tends to uh, follow uh, literature in some ways as to you have to have a plot and you have to have an antagonist and a protagonist. Mm -hmm. And then there's the Hollywood ending, you know, that wraps it all up and it's neat. Uh, but history uh, is life, and life is not that way. And it's not something that you can just say, I'm going to round this up and sum it up in in 10 to 20 chapters, and it'll be over. Um, and the way people tend to author history tends to follow that. And last but not least, I would say that in, in that uh, regard, um, you don't know what you don't know until you don't know. And a lot of the uh, people who are writing and a lot of the people who are teaching are writing and based and teaching based upon what it is they know. And so this is a problem that is kind of um, self-fulfilling. It is um, self-perpetuating uh, because the more narrow the neck of the bottle is, the slower the fluid flows out of it. And since we have kind of constrained ourselves, this constraint becomes apparent when we begin to actually delve in and look and see um, the historical people and events and places uh, and consequences that have eluded us because as time goes forward, we know more about what happened behind us. Okay, thank you. I think you've already kind of touched base on this question, but uh, what's like the importance of learning these names and like going out of our ways to like researching and understanding these names, these stories and their accomplishments or uh, their contributions? I, I think that it, it it is something I maybe touched on earlier, but maybe I didn't um, say that the life is complex. And the entire uh, reason that anyone should study history is to be a guide forward. Um, Because we have seen that 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 has happened has a propensity to happen again in the future. Mm -hmm. And so as we look at history, there's two things that we want to see. We want to see what should be emulated, what should um, be revered, uh, what should be duplicated. But then we also should, at the same time, get a, a healthy appreciation of what is to be avoided, what is not to be repeated, what is not to be encouraged. And when we don't look at history in a complex way, we can tend to have, if, if I can you know, create an analogy, we can tend to have a path that is set before us, but it's kind of like the, a runner on a rug 
that will allow us to walk like through the living room, but we can't step off that runner because if we step off that runner, then we are in an uninformed area and we don't really know where we're going or what we're doing. Yes, sir. Um, I kind of want to shift the conversation a bit more about like your personal experience, especially with these uh, civil rights leaders or like your experience with like these unknown figures. Uh, We talk about the civil rights movement as if it was like really long ago, but it was fairly recent. Multiple civil rights leaders, you know, are still alive today. Uh, Have you gotten to meet any of these figures that you've mentioned or uh, and like what did you learn from them? Yeah, I think it's really, really important that you um, ask that question, because a lot of times I feel that the distance of history gets warped um, and we tend to sometimes look at the issues uh, of the Civil War in a contemporary fashion with the issues of the Civil Rights Movement. And it's because both of them are behind us. Mm-hmm. But the thing is, is that one is of a much greater distance behind us. Uh, and so we, we shouldn't just say that, oh, well, you know, that was ancient history and it has nothing to do with today, but it does. Uh, when we study the, um, the work of John Lewis and the work of the, uh, <clears throat> excuse me, Student Nonviolent Coordinating Committee with the sit-ins who were protesting for uh, equal access to public accommodations, uh, things like being able to go into a library or things like being able to go and order a cup of coffee at a diner. Um, we would say, well, you know, yeah, that was a a really hard-fought battle, and and they did a good job. But if we ignore the fact that today there are people who won't develop a website for same-sex couples who want to um, chronicle their relationship and uh, do it just like anybody else would do it, Mm -hmm. then it reminds us that, oh, hey, Uh, That might have been in uh, the 1960s in regards to uh, the sit-ins or or the freedom rights. But these people are dealing with the exact same issue today. Uh, The same thing could be said for the the right to vote, where many people um, laid down their lives. In fact, in the, the movement, the... Uh, struggle for the vote was the deadliest part of it. Whereas today we see um, state after state passing laws to make it more difficult for people to participate in the political process. We see uh, people literally being arrested for trying to vote. Um, And these kinds of things are right now they're they're five seconds ago they're they're not five decades ago and so we should very much focus on uh that history and you know i've i've uh, been able to be blessed to encounter a number of these individuals and when we talk about voting uh, i would say i would remind you of the times that uh we met uh, um an icon, uh, uh, John Lewis, yes, uh, in, in terms of the, the, the right to vote and, and the struggle to vote. And 
people like that who uh, not only worked in the early days of the movement, but they gave their lives to it and they're still um, fighting for it. And even though we've lost John Lewis recently, um, his work remains um, something that is so very important right now because his name is attached to a voting rights bill yes. that has still not been passed. Yeah, I think that's quite quite interesting and quite, uh, I would love to go on a tangent about that myself, but I know you also uh, had the, the, the luck to incur, uh, encounter Fred Shuttlesworth, who was like a board member uh, or a higher up at the Civil Rights Institute. Um, how did like those conversations go when you met him? Like, were you awestruck? And you know, how how was he as a person? And what was his insight on on like the civil rights movement in, uh, of the past and like of like the modern day? Well, when you you mentioned Fred Shuttlesworth, I think that one of I have many undeserved honors in my life, and the idea uh, that I was able to have conversations with him face-to-face uh, is something that I will never forget. Uh, I recall one time uh, uh, in his duties as uh, the um, second vice president of the board of the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute, he would be at the Institute often. And uh, whenever he was there, you know, being a, you know, a history major, I would, I would try my best to, to stick as close to him as I possibly could. And uh, one of his um, duties was he had to go to the um, Southern Christian Leadership Conference in Atlanta. And you know, I was uh, there representing the, the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute as well. And during this time, Shuttlesworth's mother was uh, still alive uh, and she lived in Birmingham. And he was in Atlanta and he wanted to finish his duties um, and then pop back to Birmingham to, to visit with his mother. And I happened to be there and I got the opportunity to drive Fred Shuttlesworth from Atlanta to Birmingham. And the, 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 the man, the poor thing, he probably was as tired as he could be, but, you know, for those, you know, minutes that we were in that car, I, I wanted to ask him everything I possibly could. <laughs> And you know, it was so sad that I look back on it because his, his his head was starting to nod down a little bit. He wanted to take a nap, and uh, just one more thing, you know, <laughs> and 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 it it gave me such insight um, to be able to um, sit there and just listen to him. And whenever he was at the institute working with the the youth programs or the programs we were having, um, he spoke of the necessity um, to move forward in the most trying of times. And he also spoke of, um, and that kind of takes us back to uh, an earlier question about him sort of being in the shadow. He spoke of his uh, desire to not um, try to aggrandize himself in any way but it was so important to him to carry on uh, the legacy and the name 
and the mission of the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King that um, he gave the rest of his life uh, to make sure that we didn't forget the ideals that Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King stood for. Uh, there, there was a, a, a opportunity, of course, for um, him to garner more attention to himself, but he decided that that was not um, what he envisioned his role to be. And he was a very powerful person, a very courageous person, but in all of the things that you hear about in this, it's important to remember he was a very humble person. Yes, sir. I think that's that's very, very powerful. Uh, and you mentioned that uh, Fred Shuttlesworth kind of wanted to move forward and continue to like uphold this legacy and uphold these works and contributions. Uh, aside from like your work at the Civil Rights Institute, uh, how do you try and make sure that these stories get told? Well, um, one of the things that uh, I have uh, spent a great deal of time doing is working uh, in tourism uh, in the state of Alabama and in surrounding areas. Uh, I find that there is something very powerful about the idea of place. Uh, it, there's something different about talking about um, uh, say a, a Reverend Fred Shuttlesworth and then actually taking a person to Bethel Baptist Church where he led meetings uh, and where um, there were uh, several attacks. Uh, Bethel Baptist was, uh, as, as you know, it was bombed three times yes. uh, before the, the tragic bombing of the 16th Street Baptist Church. And as people began to learn about these things, people uh, have begun traveling uh, to the state of Alabama. Uh, and with the designation of uh, the Birmingham Civil Rights National Monument uh, that was done by President Barack Obama, uh, now the National Park Service and the nation uh, focuses on this history, and this history has uh, become a multi-billion dollar industry in the state of Alabama uh, in a modern day sense, which is in some ways very ironic. But uh, what I'm able to do is I'm able to take the, uh, the narratives uh, that were shared with me um, and as people travel into the state of Alabama, I'm able to take them to uh, a Bethel Baptist Church. I'm able to take them to um, Dr. Martin Luther King's brother's house. Um, I'm able to take them to the jail where Dr. King wrote his um, seminal letter um, from the city of Birmingham. And when I take people to these things and expose them to the power of place, then I'm able to also um, answer their questions, but also challenge them to learn more through the um, dissertation, I, I guess I'll say, of um, the information that I provide them. 
uh, because so many times people come to an area and they are um, curious about a certain thing, but the more they learn, the more they realize how much more they need to learn um, in the following period. Yes, sir. Thank you. And final question, uh, are there any modern day hidden figures that you want to highlight? Uh, you know, I would really like for people to um, be familiar and aware of Reverend uh, Dr. William Barber. Okay. Uh, Dr. Barber, uh, in fact, he'll be at the uh, Institute uh, and he'll be giving a, an address at um, the University of Alabama in Birmingham this week. And he'll be at the Institute following that address. But uh, when we talk about um, people like Dr. Barber, they embody uh, that mission that Dr. Martin Luther King um, articulated when he said that um, there were three great evils. Uh, and those three great evils that he enunciated were war, racism, and poverty. And the work that um, Dr. Barber is currently engaged in deals so strongly uh, with the crippling nature of poverty, but also the intentional nature of poverty. Uh, when we see the um, parameters that have been created in society that keep some people from being able to enjoy fully um, in the uh, process of uh, what we call the American dream, uh, the, the forgotten people, so to speak. I think people like Dr. Barber uh, should, should be uh, highlighted and, and the continuation of Dr. King's mission through him uh, is something that we should uh, make ourselves aware of. Perfect. Thank you again so much. Uh, thank you for taking the time to speak today. Uh, speak with me today, Mr. McNeely. Um, I really appreciate it. I know that I've learned something. I've learned a lot. I'm sure listeners have as well. And I definitely encourage listeners, if you are ever uh, visiting the uh, Birmingham area, to check out the Birmingham Civil Rights Institute. Um, hopefully you'll get a tour by Mr. McNeely himself. Um, but after all of that, I think that it's just a really important conversation to have surrounding hidden figures and the importance of those that aren't highlighted within the movement. With that, I want to say thank you to the listeners of Maroon, and I hope you have a good one.